Welcome back to the Mostly Legal Podcast. For all of you first-time listeners, the purpose of our show is to take a never-before-seen look behind the curtains of law firm operations. We talk, laugh, and sometimes even cry with the people leading the business of law. I'm Amanda Copeless, and I'm the executive director of a mid-sized law firm based in Central Florida. And I'm Rob Joyner, VP of Sales and Marketing at Centerbase. I've been in the legal tech industry for about seven years now, and it's been an incredible experience highlighting and even revealing untold stories from some of the legal industry's most influential people. We are lucky enough to have two of those people on the show with us today, Katia Adams and Gail Fredrickson. Katia and Gail are two of my favorite Centerbase clients who I've had the pleasure of working with now for a few years. But enough about me, let's jump right in. Gail and Katia, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have you on. Rob, would you like to start by introducing Katia to everybody? Sure. So our first guest today is Katia Adams. And Katia is originally from Odessa, Ukraine, and she came here when she was eight. English isn't her first language, um, Katia, but I, I'm going to assume you can probably speak it better than I can. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> she can certainly read it and write it better, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure. So <laughs> Katia has a psych degree from UCSD, and she enjoys unofficially using it in her personal and her professional life. She has a husband, a hamster, two cats two kids, and a third on the way. So congratulations there. Full house. Full, full house. house. That will be a full house. <laughs> I couldn't imagine having that many kids and animals running around. You know, they all just start to blend in at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I always say when you go from two kids to three kids, you go from playing man defense to playing zone defense. And so that is just an upper level of parenting that I am never going to get to. That's actually really funny. When I used to bring my twins to uh, the, the museum and they had a little play area, I would like step back and, and triangulate, you know, where each kid was so I could make sure I saw them both. Yeah. Uh, so continuing on with uh, Katya, she's been with her firm since 2014 and she started as a file clerk in advance to the uh, firm administrator position by 2007. And that's something, Katya, I want to dive into a little bit later. And then finally, You've also been the president of the San Diego ALA chapter uh, in 2016, and you're still an active member uh, today as well. I actually just finished my term this last year. I've been on the board since 2016, and my presidential year was this last year. So this year, I'm the immediate past president. That's, That's what happens long... when you have me read the, yeah. the introduction. <laughs> no, no. That is just a typical ALA backstory. Once they suck you into volunteering, you're stuck there for life. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. It's wonderful. You Are you going to miss it? What is your next step and plan? It's already so strange because I've gone from this, you know, going from president to immediate past president. The shift is so huge. So I kind of keep reaching out to my current president saying, you know, can I help you? And she's got it. She's great. <laughs> uh, so now I go, okay, well, you just Something tells me know. that's going to change in the next few months. Yeah, exactly. So we'll move on to uh, Gail Fredrickson. Gail is a native of Vera Beach, which is a charming seaside community on the east side of Florida. When she's not dodging hurricanes, she enjoys the beach. I wish I was at the beach right now. That sounds nice. And um, she also has two adult children. Uh, to whom she enjoys visiting, one in Tampa and one in Chicago. 
and she enjoys traveling to see them whenever they extend the invitation. So kids, if you're listening, invite Mama Gail to come see you. <laughs> so true. So true. I cherish those times. Gail, it's funny that you're on the East Coast of Florida. I um, in Orlando, the central, and I have not from here, but we have an office in Port Orange, right? Which is also on the East Coast, but a couple hours north. And one of our partners from there told me once, there are two coasts in Florida. There's the left coast and the right coast. (laughs) And as in correct coast. But anyways, there's a very weird, like sibling rivalry between the two coasts of Florida that I was not at all prepared for and had no idea about. Well, you know, we'll we'll discuss the pros and cons and the the West Coast always has beautiful sands and great shelling. And we've just got a great beach. I mean, so many of the um, surveys that you hear and whatnot about great beaches are on the East Coast. So we're going to hang on to it, even though the West Coast will say they're the best. (laughs) I mean, I mean, the wet, the East Coast has the shark bite capital of the world. We do. We do meet Smyrna. That's right. And I go there all the time. That's like the beach we go to because it's closest to the house. And I learned after a year that it's called the shark bite capital of the world. So, well, um, I got to tell you, if you ever watch some drone video, the sharks that they show in the waters while everybody is frolicking in it is just terrifying. So yeah. everyone should do that before they jump in the water. I'll stick to the Gulf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rob, there's a lot more in the Gulf of Texas that to be worried about than a few sharks. That's true. Like you I was more so saying uh, Florida. Oh, the That's Gulf high. of Florida. <laughs> well, there's stuff there too. Yeah. I guess on, yeah, same, same Gulf. Yeah. So Gail, you began your career in finance at a concrete and raw material company. She transitioned into the mental health sector when she lived in Dallas. And then after returning to Vera Beach uh, and being a stay-at-home mom for 14 years, you joined the law firm. And we're going to dive into that story in just a few minutes. And the final point now, this one was really interesting to me. Uh, In your professional career, you've experienced many challenges, but the most daunting was climbing silos to inventory raw materials at a concrete plant. What? I'm going to need to hear that story. <laughs> true story. True, true, true story. It was How do you even days... do that? Well, let me first tell you, it was in the days when, you know, um, the common joke was, what do you do at the law or at the concrete plant? And I'd laugh and say, I drive trucks because women didn't do that in those days. <laughs> and um, they also made a joke about women can't inventory raw materials the correct way because we know they won't climb silos and I'll be daggummed if somebody was going to say that about me. So (laughs) um, climb the silo I did. I don't think I've shaken uh, so much in all my life, but nobody was going to hold that over me and climb that silo and inventory it. And Rob, the way you do that is um, silos have rungs. (laughs) Uh, I'm listening. Each, each, each rung has so much capacity and you drop a pole or a rope into the silo and you find out how, how many empty rungs of block there are basically. And that tells you how much capacity is not in the silo and hence how much capacity is in the silo. I wish you could have taken a selfie back then. That would be an awesome (laughs) selfie to have. It would be too shaky. (laughs) (laughs) Were you scared? Is there like a heights requirement to it or you're just terrified? Terrified. I mean, it's just, I mean, you're repelling basically. You feel like you're repelling on this vertical ladder. It's terrifying. I mean, horizontal or uh, a diagonal ladder and then vertical straight up and down. It's terrifying. 
what do you want me to say? I'll, I'll mm. stick to law firm administrator. So one of the most interesting things about doing this podcast has been all the backstories and how people got to where they are today uh, within legal administration. So what I'd like to do next uh, is I'd like, Katya, if you can kick us off, talk about your backstory. Talk about, you know, when you came over to the firm and, and uh, was it 2007? Um, uh, 2004. I'm getting all these dates wrong. <laughs> I know you in said 2004, did they and not then your progression them down and give them to you on a little sheet of paper, or I have like a few <laughs> sheets of paper in front of me, and I'm not a fast reader, so I can't really jump around. The numbers are blurring. Yeah, the numbers, numbers are, are blurring. blurring. Maybe the font's too small. <laughs> could you give us? Could you give us the backstory? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I right out of high school, I went into UCSD, stayed home in San Diego. And all I knew is that I wanted to work, you know, have a psych degree. And in my naive beginning, I said, Oh, I, I want to work, you know, with the really mentally ill and a mental hospital. <laughs> I just thought that would be so exciting. I just kept picturing, you know, all the cuckoo's nest movies. And, and then after about a year of reality, I said, Yeah, no, I'm going to be in school for about 15 more years if I choose to do that. So I slowly started thinking more along the lines of HR. Um, and so I thought I better get some office experience. So worked at a couple, you know, an AC company, uh, you know, a construction company. And then I landed here as a file clerk and I never left. Started here when I was 20 years old and never left from college. Um, it just ended up being a good fit. You know, the person that hired me is actually, she still works here with us. She works at out of, remotely out of Texas. Now she's a business manager. So I'm pretty lucky. I have a somebody that helps me do my job. So I'm not completely on my own, which is rare for a smaller firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just over the years, I've grown into this position of almost what feels like ownership here. And it, yeah, it started from sitting down at a desk full of filing and having them go, okay, separate pleadings and discovery. And I just remember going, what? <laughs> I, I don't know what any of this means, um, but it but it just works. You know, I think my, fir- I don't know if it was my firm's, you know, fa- the fast paced environment I liked or the cases I liked or the people, but it all just, it all worked out. I never left. Can I interrupt you? Did you say you worked at an air conditioning company? Yeah, it was a temp job for like okay. three or four weeks, but, okay. <laughs> you know, it was one of those clerical office fill-in jobs. Yeah. I mean, I worked at an air conditioning company for six years and did like office administration, HR, ran the service department, that sort of thing. So I just have this special place in my heart. It's a lot like what Gail was saying about women working in a male dominated industry. I always think it's so fascinating to find other women who did that, but you were in and out very quickly, it seems. Oh, well, I was at right before that, I did another long term temp job at a big San Diego um, construction company, general mm-hmm. contractor, you know, and that was the ownership was definitely male driven. And you could <laughs> see it in the emails and in the memos. And I was so young and just going, wow. And now I'm on the other end, seeing all these yeah. empl- employment lawsuits that come through. And I just laugh. <laughs> and laugh. Bound to happen. It was bound to happen. Yep. I think I think the title of the episode needs to be something like "Where to Find the Best Legal Administrators." <laughs> there you go. Air conditioning companies and grain silos, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. 
<laughs> hey, Katya, you know, looking back on uh, your progression at the firm, uh, what would you say gave the attorneys the confidence um, in, in giving you all the responsibility? Or what do you think you did over the years that somebody else could take away if they're trying to get into a similar position? Well, I stuck around. I think that's <laughs> a good start. I mean, seriously, you know, there's there's a lot of movement and it's very tempting, especially in tight markets to to be lured by other things, um, which, you know, could be great opportunities. But the fact that I've stuck around, I think, says something um, about me and about my firm. But I've always had a lot of support from ownership, too. You know, there's nice. always been the... Um, I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of the E-Myth? Yes. I actually started reading it because you mentioned it, I think, a couple of months ago. I started listening to it. And I'm listening to the audiobook. And uh, I won't comment on it until you say what you're going to say about it. Well, you know, the concept of it, and it applies to a lot of different industries, is if you're a professional that owns some kind of a practice, whether you're a lawyer, an accountant, I think they even make a reference to, you know, McDonald's ownership. Um, if you're, you, you can't be in there running it. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, be the actual owner. You can't do the day-to-day stuff. You need to have people for that. It really uh, reinforces that. And my owner is a big believer of that. Um, so, I think just based on that mentality, my responsibilities here have been a little bit different than, you know, some other companies I've run across where there, there really is more of that sense of ownership and, you know, that I'm, we're trying to run a business. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, Gail, can you, so you have a pretty interesting story too, as far as how you got to the firm. Can you give that that backstory for us? Uh, Of course, of course. So um, I started with the firm in 2008 as an employee, but um, I actually started with the firm a while before that as a client. And if you will, I was a client of the family law section, which was, um, (laughs) as you can put it all together, I was a divorce client. And um, as we migrated through the case, I was a stay-at-home mom that was planning to get back into the workforce. And so I applied for a job on a blind ad, and it happened to be the law firm. Oh, wow. So I did. I became a part-time bookkeeper that morphed into a firm administrator a couple of years later, and I have been here ever since. So they know the very worst of me and the very best of me. <laughs> Wait, I so think- you said you said a blind ad, but I thought you've known some of the members for a very long time. I went to high school with some of the members here. So um, Vero is a small community, and... People will say that, you know, everybody knows everybody else's business. So it's in your best interest to have your business clean and tidy. (laughs) Um, So, yes, I actually went to high school with my um, my attorney and I was better friends with his sister, but I did know of him. And um, yeah, so he was my a divorce attorney, B boss and C managing partner as the years came by. So. Yes. I'm guessing what she means by blind ad is it didn't say the company name. It just said like bookkeeper for mm. law office wanted. So she applied and then found out it was her firm afterwards. Yeah. Well, correct. And, and I'm a rule followers and my, um, my attorney said, you know, it's, it's, you know, time you need to get back into the workforce because 
and you can put the pieces together there. And so I applied and, you know, he asked the questions like, are you applying? Are you looking for a job? And I said, yeah. He said, do you happen to apply to a blind ad? I said, I did. (laughs) (laughs) He said, yeah, we know. And, and the blind ad included a fax number and um, I communicated by email. So I didn't put two and two together at the point. Oh, awesome. So I do have a question for both of you. And um, what makes you stay at the firm? You both have so many years of longevity at these smaller firms. And Katya, you alluded to it a little bit, um, that your benefits come from staying, the, the power or the autonomy that you get. But what makes you stay? I think that's exactly what it is, is the autonomy. Um, you know, the, the trust, the, and and it was, it was difficult for me start. I mean, I think I started in this management position when I was in my very early twenties and that was very challenging to be taken seriously as a very young female, even though by that time I had already been here, you know, four or five years, it was still kind of like, okay, number one, she's not a lawyer. Number two, she's the young, you know, (laughs) fresh out of college girl. Um, And I I don't know. I just feel like I've really earned my stripes and it just, this, this feels like mine. Right. And what about you, Gail? You know, I've been on both sides of, of this, this law firm. I've been the client and I've been the employee And I remember the days when I came here not knowing what tomorrow would bring. And I I needed people who, you know, could show me that they were going to take care of of me and my world and my uncertainties and and most first and foremost, my children. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, I was in that and I saw myself grow out of that broken world, if you will. And today I watch these people do that for clients who walk in here in unfamiliar territory and I see them walk out of here more put together or better in their worlds and more comfortable. And it drives me. It, it just is a driving force for me to know that that's the good that we do here in this firm. So, so I've uh, built a relationship with both of you all and I know how important you both are to your firms. You do an amazing job and the, the staff and attorneys really lean on you, not only uh, to keep things running, but for your opinions as well. Um, one question I always have uh, for a small firm, you know, how do you deal with vacation? How do you deal with your, your, uh, any kind of leave of absence? Your pending Amanda will probably, leave. Yeah, uh, there we go. <laughs> you beat me to it. Amanda will probably talk about, you know, her story as well, but, how do you all deal with it um, when you're outside, when you need to be out of the office? Um, well, in our firm, we have redundancy in positions. So um, we have coverage. For instance, I can take a couple of days off and my right hand has 100% access to me, but also is, is fluid in knowing what I am doing. So she can pick up those pieces and Generally speaking, every position here has someone who is well aware of what they're doing and can pick up those pieces while they're gone. So they can literally disconnect, as we call it, disconnect and enjoy their time Mm -hmm. away and not come back to complete mayhem. So that redundancy in positions um, here at this firm helps a great deal. 
and allowing people to go away and enjoy themselves and not have this concern over their head. Yeah, we do a lot of the same. We do a lot of, uh, you know, redundancy is a really good term for it. I call it uh, cross-training. So I thought a couple people, like I mentioned, you know, the business manager I work with, she can really take over a lot of what I do. In fact, you know, we're getting ready for that right now with me getting ready to go on uh, leave again. But uh, at the same time, it feels like it's never ending. You know, if it's a new piece of technology, okay, now we've got to bust out this manual and this, uh, you know, policy or something's changed with the courts. Okay, well, now we have to make sure that you know, this is covered or that is covered. So I feel like that is at least a quarter of my job is continuing to just revamp policies, procedures. And yeah, it's for my own benefit. It's so that I can go on vacation and we have a good work-life balance here. So, you know, we kind of like to say there's nothing that can't wait, especially if things come up with family or, you know, things where people, this, this shouldn't be their priority. It's interesting. One of the things I always talk about, and there are so many firms who do not have those uh, safeguards and that redundancy in place. And so I really like hearing that even in that smaller firm, you have managed to do those sort of things. I joked on our first podcast that I ran payroll from my hospital bed when I had my first child because nobody else knew how to run payroll and we didn't want to get that open to anybody else. And you know, I wasn't going to take much leave anyway. So there was only two payrolls to run at that point. So um, we, we joke a lot about that. But there are things that you do as a small firm administrator that that so many other people just do not understand. So my story I love to tell is we had a very small server room. And there was a server room air conditioning unit, which everybody is in this mm-hmm. business knows you've mm-hmm. got to keep those servers cool, right? Sure. Labor Day weekend, the air conditioning goes down in the server room. Okay. It's 110 in Austin that weekend. Nobody can get out and fix it. Our servers are going to overheat. Like there's no question about it. So I go to Home Depot and I buy a portable air conditioning unit. And in order for one of these to work, you have to have a return, right? So mm-hmm. as it as it sucks the hot air out of the room, it's got to stick it somewhere. So I took the drop ceiling, I cut a circle in it. I took the hose from the unit and like basically used duct tape, which is, you know, God's miracle tool to attach the pipe to the drop ceiling. So the hot air would blow out over a fire room. But the problem with that is that in cooling, it removes moisture and water from the air and would have a drain pan. So I was literally on call all weekend going up to the office to empty the drain pan so that our servers would stay cool. And in the beginning, it was like every eight hours. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go home and come back. But then towards it got hotter and hotter and hotter. And by Monday, the drain pan was filling up every four hours. And so I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is go get a PVC pipe and I'm going to set up some kind of system where the water can drain down to a larger bucket. And then it was Monday. I'm like, okay, the guys are just going to come fix it. Like (laughs) I can stop troubleshooting this at, at some point and we'll get the air conditioning, but our servers are saved. And that's my testimony to virtualizing servers because if the air conditioning mm-hmm. goes down because they're on a separate system, you can be in big trouble. But if anybody needs me to run temporary air conditioning, 
a server room. I can say I hope that you I got your that. bonus that year. <laughs> oh man. It's it's all part of the gig. And remember, yes. because we're exempt employees, it's not like I was getting overtime or holiday pay or any of that to be emptying the drain pan. But you know, we do what we have to do. So kind of sideline to that, we talked a little bit about how you guys and how your firms have kept your loyalty. How do you individually get loyalty from your employees? What do you think your firm does well to to do that? I can jump off on that one. It's it's funny that you say that because I just recently had a conversation that I feel like over the last few years, retention has become one of the most important parts of our jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I don't know about you guys in Florida, but in California, the market is just nuts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And <laughs> like, Texas. I came to the realization that, you know, besides just wanting to be good to my people because they're good people, there's a lot to be said for it's important to keep that retention uh, in place. So, uh, I think just, first of all, you just have to appreciate and thank people. You know, it's not enough mm-hmm. to just let me wait till your annual review and give you a raise. That's not good enough. And sometimes if you're not organized enough, you hear about, especially the smaller firms. Oh, two years went by and I didn't give you a raise. <laughs> and these people, it's not that they do this because they don't care or appreciate these employees. It's because they're unorganized. They don't have somebody like us to you know keep things in place and time just goes by too fast they don't notice it and they lose quality people um so you know just aside from being organized and keeping appreciate you know appreciating people uh food food (laughs) always snacks make a big difference (laughs) lunches just you know grab tokens of gratitude you know thanking somebody openly in the public so that others can hear them you know, appreciating birthdays and milestones, just, you know, little things like that. I think that's what people appreciate. Well, and you know, um, the other thing that I think is really important is to let them know that you believe in them. And I, I will tell anybody anytime, I think I have the greatest group of people here, which is probably one of the greatest reasons that I stay, but I really enjoy the people that I work here with here. And um, I believe in them. And, you know, from the top down and from the bottom up, Uh, And I think people need to know that, yes, we appreciate you. We thank you. And part of that is believing in them. And we show that through our gratitude, as Katya was saying, through lunches and things like that. But it starts with them knowing that you value them and you let them know that. I like what Katya said. It is kind of, it is a little bit management 101 in that you, you know, uh, appreciate in public and criticize in private. And so I think a lot of people understand that concept, but they miss, and and I'm guilty of this too, the first part of that, which is not appreciate in public, it's appreciate often in public. And it's that frequency that I think is kind of the key. And I'm so happy to hear that you guys both do that with your firms, because you're right, that does build longevity way more than big, huge salaries and bonuses a lot of times. And that's something you have to keep trying at because human nature is we want, it's easier for us to criticize Mm -hmm. than to remember to be positive and thankful. That's true. And, and people hear the negatives much louder than they hear the positives. They, I, 
what I have experienced is that people will always feel where they have failed and you have to boost them up to let them know where they have achieved and accomplished. And um, we try really hard in letting people know that exact thing that you are succeeding, you are accomplished. And, you know, as, as they say years ago, um, you know, you, you spank them on one side and you love them on the other, but (laughs) you've got to, you've got to let them know that, um, yeah, that they've done a great job. I like it. I like it. So I can't take credit for this question. It's a good one. Uh, Amanda came up with it, but Speaking of years ago, um, what skills do people need now in the position that they didn't need 10 years ago? Um, And kind of a secondary question on that, you personally, what do you wish you had known 10 years ago as well? Tech. (laughs) Tech. Elaborate. 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 Yeah. Well, you know, I'm dating myself now. I go back to ledger sheets, right? I mean, um, that the tech world is crazy. And if you're not keeping up with that, you're just being left in the dust. So the evolution of just professional world has gone leaps and bounds in the tech world. So Gail, what have you done to help keep yourself up to date? I mean, you know, you and I have worked together and, and you ask really good questions and you're very informed. Um, so my question would be back to you. How have you kept yourself up to date and how should others do it as well? Well, I think one thing that you have to do is admit what you don't know. You've got to know what you don't know and you can't be afraid to admit what you don't know because you will never grow. You will never learn if you don't raise your hand and say, hold on, help me. I don't know this. And Rob, even in our work, um, I, I never hesitate to say, stop for a minute and teach me. And I think mm-hmm. as well as I have done that, I also hear the nonverbal cries for teach me, you know, because a lot of people don't want to admit that. And you have to hear it because tech is advancing so very fast and so many people can't keep up with it because they're not technologically inclined. And so it's, it's really important for me to admit it and to know it and to learn it and to jump into the education that it takes for me to be up to speed on it and then to share that knowledge with those people who may not be so willing to say, I don't get it. Yeah, that's, that's good. What about, what about you, Katya? Yeah, you know, the first thing that came to mind is over the years, I've learned to be more efficient. And I think a lot of that does go back to tech because I can't do, I, I could, I wouldn't have been able to do what I do now 10 years ago. Um, we just didn't have, you know, the capability. And w- now it's one of those matters of if you're doing something that's taking a long time, mm-hmm. there's probably a better way to do it. So yeah. s- stop and figure it out. And that's kind of what I try to tell my people. But the other thing I've learned too is it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being in the ALA was a really big eye opener for me for this, both, you know, the members and, you know, the business partners, the vendors that we work with. Uh, I've just heard and learned so many good things that I would have never known just sitting here in my office that have made me faster and more efficient. And 
you know, change your frame of mind. I used to be in this frame of mind of, do I really want to spend an extra, you know, X amount of dollars per user for this program? And I remember somebody really seasoned in the association once told me, you know, how is that even a question when that's going to improve their efficiency? Mm -hmm. Right. And that just really made something click. And I've, I've completely changed my mindset around that recently. And we've invested so much more into tech and everybody is so much faster. Mm -hmm. It's, it's funny because we talk about tech and this is more than 10 years ago, but I still remember sitting in the first room when somebody told me, well, we're going to go to the cloud. And I remember looking at that person like they had three heads Mm -hmm. thinking, what the heck is the cloud? Why would I want my documents to not be in that little server room protected by that tiny little air conditioning system that could overheat on Labor Day? I mean, come on. It's a completely efficient, secure (laughs) process. (laughs) I like climbing into the roof and putting up ductwork. Yeah. So I remember thinking, I remember hearing that conversation. So I, I agree with, with you, Gail, that and, and Katya, that tech is really different than what it was 10 years ago, for sure. Um, so uh, going to that, I do have a question kind of along those same lines. In What advice would you give to somebody who is just starting out as a legal administrator or a small firm administrator? Uh, everything, everything is fixable. <laughs> okay. That, that uh, was good. That was really good, Katia. Everything um, is fixable. Yeah. And be hungry. You know, um, I appreciate what you were saying about owners and managers, but I also think that each of us as a firm administrator functions from an owner's perspective. I mean, we work like we own the firm yep. and when you have anyone coming into this position, I think they have to function as though they are an owner, Mm -hmm. um, but yet they process as a manager. And I think it's key to be hungry, um, to be a sponge and absorb everything you possibly can from everybody around you. Because let's face it, um, so many people have one, one role or one position or one job or one practice area. And I tell everybody, you know, when they say, who do you work for? I work for all of you. And so you have to learn from each and every person that comes your way. So be open to everything. So one, one topic that everybody wants to know about uh, from our guests, the organizational structure and how decisions are made. Could you each talk about that at your, uh, your firms? How are decisions made? What is, you know, what does that process look like? Say you're looking at new tech or you're looking at a new service. Uh, how do you go about that? So in our firm, a lot of it depends on the magnitude of what we're looking at doing. Um, We have a level of members, partners, associate attorneys, and staff, and we like to work on consensus. We we just redid our core values, for instance, and, and every single person in here told us what was important to them. We did a survey and took, you know, a survey of every single person here that what is what's important to you. And so everyone was engaged in that. Um, When we decide to purchase a new software program, it's going to shoot to the higher level of the equity members. Yeah, um, for us, it just same as Gail, you know, it depends on what 
the decision is ultimately, you know, it'll come down to the owner, but it's going to be who, who's using this stuff the most, right? So if it's a research platform, who are our top researchers, have them get invested into it and then have them get everybody else excited about it. Uh, You know, sometimes if it's just myself and, you know, the admin management team that really insists that this is going to be something great, that's, that's good enough. Yeah. And I think when, like when you're talking about the research platform, that's a great example of who and what, who does it affect? Mm -hmm. So that's a canvassing of everyone that, you know, would be involved in the research. I know in our firm here, we are, we are adding new policies also to a new handbook and we're forming committees, you know, give us your input. Who do you want to work on this? What do you want to say about this? So I really think it depends on what decisions are being made as to how many people become involved in it and what tiers are affected by it. You know, one thing we do too, that I don't know if a lot of other firms do this is we have our accountant um, heavily involved in not necessarily our decision-making, but the conversations that we have. So we have an accountant that we've worked with for many, many, many years, and he works with a lot of other law firms. And, you know, the meetings we have, it isn't just talking numbers. It's let's all talk together about the the business model, you know, and Mm -hmm. will this practice increase our business efficiency? Let's not worry about looking at the price tag. Let's worry about what it's going to do long-term and who it's going to affect. And will it make lives, you know, simpler rather than trying to introduce some crazy new product that everybody's just going to get frustrated about. So there's also that component to it, kind of going back to the entrepreneurial stuff, right? Get somebody else involved that maybe isn't in your firm, but that, you know, has a good outsider perspective and can give good advice. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So, so I want to transition a little and have, have some fun with you guys. And just ask some, sorry, Gail, but uh, more personal related questions. (laughs) (laughs) Gail shared with us, Gail shared with us before that she doesn't like her life being out on uh, on social media. And so everybody wants you, um, I'm going to send her personal Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. right. So the the first question, um, what's your biggest work pet peeve? Did you read my email? Oh, yes. Yes, I like it. Did you read my email? Or I thought I thought you were actually asking me that <laughs> for a second. See, because you didn't read my email. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to our pre-recording uh, banter. Did you record my email? That's exactly right. How many times? It's it that goes I don't want to take Gail's, but mine is reply all. And I really feel like reply all is a something you should earn and not receive. Like you should have to build up over the years a trust factor that you know the appropriate time to use reply all before you get that function turned on. And if I ever got Bill Gates or somebody to sit down with me for a few minutes, I would tell them that I want that specially privileged. That's it. That's my, that's my soapbox. Sorry, Gail. What about you? <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to go with the old cliche. It's not my job. Uh, you, oh, yeah. You, oh yeah. That's a good one. Too. You can't do that here. If that's your mantra, you are in the wrong place. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I don't hesitate to tell new people that we cross over all the time. Well, as Katya was saying about the cross training, you've got to have that. You've got to have people helping each other. And, you know, we, we, for instance, adopt a bridge and adopt a portion of the highway and we clean trash off the bridge. Oh, and that's wow. part of our initiative. So not my job just doesn't, it doesn't work here. So you have good turnout for that? Everybody we do. And helps. Okay. We Amanda, do. you guys can do it too in Florida. I will come help Gail clean the bridge in Vero. Um, <laughs> Once a quarter. Like. Okay. Hey, because- as long as it doesn't get in the way of you uh, enjoying the beach, right? While well, you're there. I mean, I'm just saying I would be at the beach also, and I could take a couple hours to pick up some trash on the, you know. Do a good you know, deed. While one, one, one side of the bridge dumps into the beach. I got you covered, sister. <laughs> <laughs> See, shoot. Rob, can't I just be nice? <laughs> dot, Don't dot, answer dot. that. Don't answer that. It's best. It's for the best. <laughs> so uh, next question. What keeps you up at night? My kids. That was a quick That one. was easy. Well, yeah. they're adult kids and they're gone. And last night a hurricane came through and my son is right there where the hurricane came through. Yeah. I've got a daughter in Chicago and that brings its own elements of concern. So it keeps me up nights. <laughs> and Katya, you can't say children given that you're currently pregnant and we know what keeps you up at night. <laughs> uh, Nothing this keeps, is nothing keeps me up at night. I'm sleeping like a champ right now. No. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I think just situational stuff, both with, you know, family or, uh, you know, the, the office stuff that might come up if just, oh, no, I forgot this thing or no, I realized that, you know, there's this one of one of the millionth things that I didn't add to my list. And is this going to screw something up? And then again, going back to the everything is fixable. I stress Mm -hmm. myself out over all this stuff for no reason, because then you come in in the morning and you, you know, you're all flustered and you tell whoever it is that, oh my gosh, you know, this happened or this happened. And they're like, okay, well, that's fine. And you're going, (laughs) your reaction is nothing like my reaction was at two o'clock in the morning. Right. I feel you. I feel you on that. Right. So I I try to just not let that happen, but, you know, sometimes you can't help it. Good. Okay. So last question before we switch in the next segment. Um, what's the best compliment you've ever received? Oh. I know a good one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that her English is better than yours <laughs> and mine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's really sad that I can't, um, you know, think of this. I feel like I I can't pinpoint it to a single thing, but I feel like I've received a lot of praise from important people over the year, including, you know, my owner, my coworkers, my clients. Um, I've had a lot of really kind clients, um, the people in the association. Um, I just, the, the support that I've received professionally in my job and in, you know, my networking part of the reason I'm so confident in what I do today. I like that. Yeah. What about you, Gail? Um, I recently was told in a very heart to heart conversation that um, the person I was speaking to said, I am a better person because I have been associated with you. 
Oh, wow. wow. On a list of things that nobody will ever tell me ever. <laughs> I no. will be able to now go the rest of my life without anybody ever telling me that. <laughs> but that goes back to believing in you because um, I am one who will who will go to the mat for so many other people, but I, I have a tendency not to fight for myself. And mm-hmm. this person yeah. was trying to restore my confidence and, and said, I, I am a better person because of you, Gail. And it resonated, you know, but it was really a whole lot more about building my confidence. I like it. What was your good one, Rob? Oh, back to me. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I like that. Toss it around. I'm not answering this question though, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have to say people coming and saying you inspired me to do something. People coming back, um, you know, Lately, uh, more of it's been about creativity. You inspired me to do this and I've been putting it off and I'm really glad, um, really glad you did because it's helping me uh, mentally unwind or something to that extent. Uh, it really, it really means a lot to me when somebody says something along those lines. Well, I think I actually said that in one of the episodes we've recorded that you have inspired me to get out of my comfort zone and to put some of myself out into the world that I wasn't previously doing. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, oh, you're passing, Okay, Amanda. You're passing it on, huh? The, ah. Um well, how about a backhanded compliment? And that is somebody said, "Amanda, Come on. Amanda, I'm so I I really love working with you because I never have to guess what you think about something." <laughs> <laughs> That's really important. That is really important. Well, but but that speaks to you being genuine, and that is really important. Thank so. you. I appreciate that. But no, yeah, you're so nice. You are so nice. Don't sell yourself short on that one because that's important. Wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, let's let's while we're on a high note, let's move into our final segment, which is the pitch your passion session. And this really is your two minutes to talk about something that is really important to you um, and what holds your passion. So uh, Katya, why don't we start with you first? You know, over the last few years, I've gotten really, really passionate about my networking, which is, you know, why I do things like this. <laughs> Really? I mean, I can't just in this hour, I feel like I've gotten so many amazing nuggets from people that, you know, obviously know what they're talking about and are really experienced. And I I joke that um, COVID kind of screwed me over. I didn't get to give my really inspirational presidential incoming speech. The first event that got canceled was my leadership dinner where I was going to be inducted. Um, but you know, one, one of the things I like to say is, you know, I, I really drink the Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um, and I really became a firm believer of, you know, you get out what you put in. And so that's why I had jumped on head first with, you know, participating on board things. I participate in, we have a really cool charity event that we do, um, where it's a fashion show with some lawyers and mediators and it goes to, um, you know, uh, some ch- children's charities in San Diego. I've been on, you know, the committee for that. And some days you guys know, you sit there and you participate in all these things and you go, how, why, why am I continuing to do all this? It takes up so much time, but then it's mm-hmm. so rewarding at the end when you, you know, well, obviously for these charity events, that's a whole different story, but you know, when it's something else, just like helping on a regular committee or whatnot, it's, you do get things out of it. 
You know, right. you turn around at the end yeah. of the day and you've built these relationships with people that trust you and you don't have to go spend two hours online researching something. You've got somebody that is a great authority that you can go talk to and get a quick five minute honest opinion. And you just build really good relationships and really good friendships. So, you know, last year has been a little bit different. Um, I'm excited that we're now starting to get back to the in-person stuff. You know, I love and miss the conferences, um, all those kinds of in-person events. I'm bummed I won't be at uh, in Austin, but I'll be back next year. And that's just what I would encourage people to do in any industry is, again, get out of that comfort zone and just start meeting people and talking to people because we're all like-minded being in these kinds of industries together and being in these similar positions. And that's, that's what I've been really passionate about. Awesome. How about you, Gail? Um, You know, I've got to say, I am really passionate about developing young minds and developing hungry, hungry people. I, run into relationships and whatnot that really want to develop more and are afraid to make that step. Go back to school, go take classes, do what you need to do to improve yourself. And and it may improve the job along the way, but really and truly self-improvement and development at any age. But I tend to, I tend to cleave to working with young minds. And for instance, in the firm this summer, we have a total of five interns and law clerks. And to see those those minds want to develop and determine whether or not they want a legal career, and maybe they don't, but this is their opportunity to take a look at that. And one of the young minds told me the other day that she appreciated me telling her how to do it instead of telling her what to do and yeah. teaching them the whys and the hows so that you can make great decisions as you move along. And you develop that sense of, of, of accomplishment and where you want to go in life. So I'm really passionate about that. Um, I'm involved in some charitable events that also do scholarship foundations and things. And I've recognized the fact that so much of what drives me is, is self-improvement and helping others improve themselves and develop to a higher degree. That's awesome. Those are both really good. I know. Oh, well... well- well. Yeah. Are you going to do it or not? I'll go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Gail, Katya, thank you guys so much for joining us today. It was a great hour. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on themostlylegalpodcast.com where you can sign up for our email list and you can get weekly recaps as well as some cool takeaways from each episode.